Lord Jesus, you know the hearts, you know the needs, you know the concerns, you know the cares, maybe the anxious thoughts, maybe the deep feelings, the deep hurts that each one of us have. Lord, you know the joys. And I just pray that you would send an extra measure of your spirit to just speak uh, a word of hope, a word of healing, a word of peace and comfort uh, to those hearts that long for that today, especially as we dive into this topic of, of miracles and understanding them from your perspective. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So there was a little allusion to this at the beginning of worship where uh, we were talking about the miracles uh, and how we have uh, the miracle of rain and that gift. Uh, but today we are going to be talking a little bit about miracles. Maybe you yourself know someone or you are hoping and praying for a miracle because of something going on in your life. A lot of the time with miracles it, it ends up being a, a chronic illness. Uh, maybe uh, the doctors don't know what's going on and they're trying to find a cure so they're trying this treatment and that treatment and maybe things don't seem to be working and, and so you, you, you come to your, your wits end, your, your last resolve, you're, you're on your knees, you're praying and you're praying that somehow God would just bring a, a physical healing to you. That's the kind of stuff that we're going to be talking about today. Recently read about a, a story uh, for, about a woman who I'm going to just call Lily uh, for the sake of our purposes today. Uh, she, uh, from what I can tell, was someone that at one point perhaps lived up to that name. She, she flourished. She, she blossomed. Uh, she was achieving her fullest potential. Only in this situation, after suffering for such a long time, starts to wilt and, and she's just a shell of, of who she was. She's uh, gone to doctor after doctor trying to figure things out. She's, she's actually poured in money. Her entire life savings, the story goes on to say. She's in a tremendous amount of pain. The doctors aren't helping, one physician after another. She's uncomfortable. Things are going from bad to worse. And to make matters even more complicated, she's isolated. In her community, and even in her religious community, people are afraid of her illness. And before we can shake our heads at how could a church do something like that, we need to understand in her culture, when we were declared unclean, you were sent out the city gates. You were, you were set aside from society. You were isolated, so to speak. And that's what this woman was going through for 12 years. The Bible continues in her story in, in three different areas. Today we had the one from, from Mark. Desperate to be rid of her condition, she... She wants her life back. She doesn't want just a, a new normal. She wants her life back to the way it was before. So she's at wit's end. She's desperate in this situation. She's finding herself in the midst of a crowd because of this guy that she heard about named Jesus. And in the Bible, and in the scriptures, it records this. It says she heard the reports about him. She comes up behind him in the crowd and she, she touches his garment saying to herself, if I just touch his garment, I will be made he whole. And as soon as she touches the garment, the scripture records, she was healed. The, the blood flow stopped. And she knew in herself that she had been healed. Her, her story is nothing short of a miracle. Just that simple act of touch healed her. A little closer to home for me, about another woman, a woman whom I know as 
mom. I was 12 years old when she was diagnosed with cancer. Breast cancer that spread to the lymph nodes and metastasized. I was 12, my brother was eight, my sister was seven, and we were told mom was only gonna be around for three more months. We were all desperate, praying, going through treatment after treatment. The doctors were saying, just get your affairs in order. The reality starts to set in. Unlike the woman in the gospel reading, my family experienced blessing upon blessing. We had a church community that, that loved on us, supported us, provided meals for us. We had a church community that told my dad, Steve, if you need help with the kids, you just let us know. And I had a dad who was bold and brave enough who said, yes, I need your help. And so we, as kids, we, we went to other families' homes and stayed there for weeks on end while mom was going through treatment and dad was trying to work just to make ends meet. We had a pastor who came alongside us. We had a church community that came alongside us and said, well, why, why, why not just we get together and we'll have maybe a time of prayer. And so my family, a handful of the members of the congregation and the, and the pastor, we had a service of prayer. Mom went back to the doctor about four or five days after that prayer service. There was no trace of cancer. They ran another set of tests. There was no trace of cancer. Why my family? Why do we get such a blessing? When I know that there are those of you here who've gone through that same prayer request and your prayers were answered differently. Why? There isn't an answer to why. And that's one of the challenges with miracles. Why some? Why not others? And, and hopefully today as we walk out of here, we'll, we'll have a, a little bit of a handle on what God's up to. Because does this kind of stuff really happen? Does God still perform miracles? I was blessed to be able to have my mom for 24 extra years. My mom got to see me grow up to be a pastor, to get married. She did not get to see my daughter. She did not get to meet her. She did not get to meet her other grandchildren. She was already with Jesus at that point. But I was able to stand up at the funeral service and proclaim to everybody that was there that cancer did not win. Jesus won. Much like I say at many funeral services, the illness that took your loved one did not win. The faith in Christ Jesus did. That God had worked in their hearts and we will see our loved ones again. My mom will meet her grandchildren, her great-grandchildren, and her great-great-grandchildren if we're blessed to have that in our family. Folks, it's the same with this pandemic that we've been going through. We're on the other side of it. I'm, I, I go away on vacation and the, and the seat signs go, are gone, right? It's just like, yeah, this is awesome. We can gather again in numbers. We can come and, and receive God's word and, and a little later enjoy the, the gifts of communion as, as a community again. Are we getting back to normal? We don't know, but we're, we're praying that, yeah, this is it, right? But can miracles still happen? Maybe... Maybe some of the things to consider are, are some of the situations that you know people are in. I know of people who, even in the midst of things seemingly going back to normal, you're still isolated. You're watching church at home. You're not sure if you can go out because is it truly safe? You've been isolated for so long, you're a shell of your old self. 
interacting with people, you, you, you've lost that contact with other humans. And our prayer goes out to you. Maybe we as a church community, if we know people like that, we can we reach out and say, hey, we love you. We're praying for you. Maybe it's a strained relationship. Maybe you're in a marriage relationship where, where you're in counseling and the counseling doesn't seem to be helping. It just seems to be making matters worse. As you talk about the tough things, it just seems to inflame and enrage you. And, and the love that you once had for the person that you stood in front of God and your family and friends is just falling apart. You're, you're contemplating divorce because you think that's the only option. Things are going from, from, from bad to worse to numb, to no feelings at all. And you're wondering, is it ever going to get better? You know something? Even in our own Lutheran circles, we, we wrestle and debate, do miracles really still happen? And there's, in part, a, a good reason why that takes place. At least I can understand it in part. One reason is that the scriptures do not promise that the miracles will happen outside of the apostolic age, the Bible times. The other uh, aspect is, is who are we as human beings to say, yes, this is something of God, and, and no, this is not of God. Uh, this is a divine act, and no, that's not. How do we know the mind of God? You heard from the proverb that was read earlier today that we are to trust in, in God and lean not in our own understanding, but he will make our paths straight. And, and, and knowing that we can trust in him, knowing that if God wants to, if he is truly God, that he can intervene at any time that he wants, even in today's day and age, maybe that doesn't help you either. Because perhaps as you're, you're thinking that, if God is so powerful, well then where's my miracle? How much longer do I have to go through this anguish? I want to go back to that verse where, where Jesus looks at the woman. He looks right at her and he says, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and, and be free of your suffering. Even that doesn't help. Because there are some in our Christian circles that teach this. If you believe enough, you can make miracles happen. Just believe enough. Well, what if I don't? What if I'm struggling? And, and that's the beauty of the way that this account is recorded in the scriptures. And that's why we kept the whole gospel reading for today. There, there is a part where Mark talks about this guy named Jairus, who's got a daughter who's near the point of death. And when Jesus steps out of the boat, this guy, Jairus, boldly goes up to him, falls at his feet, and implores him, Lord, heal my daughter. Contrast that picture with a woman who's grasping at everything, trying to just get through this illness and this suffering, approaches Jesus from behind. A picture of timidity. Maybe a weak faith. And she reaches out, hoping, maybe a superstitious faith, saying, I can be whole if I touch his garment. It's good news for us if we struggle. Jesus says, daughter, your faith has healed you. But he's not placing a condition on the amount of faith that we have or how good is our faith. No, he, he's saying, the little faith that you have, it's a gift. Your faith has healed you. 
Her actions are one out of maybe superstition and, and weakness. But what Jesus is, is saying is, I see you. I see you. Mark gives the account in, in such a way that says, hey, God cares. It's not about how much faith we have or if we believe enough. Jesus, the, the real miracle, the one who does come, and, and the whole point of this gospel lesson is the fact that God is in and amongst his people. He stepped into the mess. He stepped into the brokenness of our lives that, that sin has caused. And Jesus works healing, yes, for some couple of years of earthly ministry. He's, he heals the blind. He heals the sick. He enables the blind to see, the lame to walk. We even heard a story of how he raises the dead to life, Talitha, in this gospel account. The message knows that Jesus reveals all things. He also recognizes a person who touched him in the crowd out of a weak faith. And he made a point to let her know that I see you. There was a point in time where the crowd could care less about this woman. She should have been outside of the city walls. She shouldn't have been there. The crowd cared less about her, but not Jesus, who touched me, he says. Even the disciples are like, what are you doing, Lord? Can't you see this crowd around you? And Jesus says, who touched me? And the woman steps out in fear and trembling, and Jesus makes eye contact with her, and he says, you've been healed. Go and be free of your suffering. Jesus did not come, though, so that that woman could just have physical healing. Jesus did not just come, though, so that we would just have physical healing. If all God cared about was physical healing, that's all we'd have in the Bible. But Jesus cared about a bigger picture, the picture of sin. You see, we all have a terminal illness, and I say this a number of times, we all have that terminal illness, sin. And if God just healed us physically, we would still be cut off from him forever because of sin. But what Jesus did on the cross is he did away with that penalty of sin. He, he did away with the consequences of sin, the thing that robs us of life, the thing that robs us of joy, the thing that robs us of the very breath that God gives us. The life that God means us to have, Jesus did away with that. And on the cross, he cries out, Father, forgive them. He alone was the one who was isolated, abandoned, neglected, forsaken, so that you and I would never be. It may feel like that because our prayers haven't been answered the way we think they should be. But God cares about the bigger picture. He cares about you. He sees you. He sees you. He will not give up on you. And we don't have to give up on him. Actually, who are we to even say that? It's God who gives us breath. It's God who gives us life. It's God who ordains all things. He promises to walk with us. He promises to see us through all of life's challenges so that we don't just have life here on this side of paradise, but that we have it with him for all of eternity. God will not give up on you. Amen? Amen.